0: What's going on, crew? This is episode 195 of the Get After it podcast. I'm joined by Mr. Caleb Williams from Better Wealth. Before I uh, turn things over to him, I just want to give you guys a brief introduction, a little bit about Caleb. Um, we spent about the first maybe, probably about, 15, 20 minutes kind of going into the origin story behind his company, Better Wealth, and um, really the really where he started and how he got to where he is today. Um, Caleb's remarkably young for the position of leadership he has, both in his company and the industry that he's in. Um, so just to, to it's going to be tough to wrap up this bio in, you know, a short period, but let's, let's just attempt to do it. Caleb Williams is the founder and CEO of Better Wealth. Um, it's a company committed to showing people how to have efficiency and control over their money today while maximizing their future wealth potential. Uh, Caleb's got a phenomenal book called The And Asset, um, which is hit bestseller status. It's also, it's just a phenomenal read. If, uh, if you're looking to get into investments or whatever the case is, if you're at that stage in your life, not only is this an amazing podcast to listen to, but even if you're not there yet, Caleb sheds light on so many of the principles that he's used to be able to build his company to now well over 15 team members. They were doing seven figures in revenue before COVID and they've absolutely exploded since then. Um, you know, I'm, I'm truly blessed to have Caleb in my life. I had an opportunity to connect with Caleb right before the pandemic. I actually, I talked. We talk about this a little bit in the interview, but I flew out to Denver with the intention of potentially working with Caleb in some capacity. And even though that didn't turn out, that didn't work out. Um, Caleb's a friend for life. I, I've had the chance to visit him at least a couple more times since then in Denver, and um, he's just an amazing host. Him and Dan, his whole team are just just amazing guys and guys and girls. And um, Caleb actually joined me for this interview. I believe it was a week and a half after his wedding. We did this interview in June of 2021 and um, he, he had just gotten off of his wedding with, uh, with April and uh, I'm so thrilled to them. So I wanna congratulate them. And if you guys can stick with me on two notes here, um caleb caleb has so many other things and we're going to talk about this on the podcast actually before i get to those two things caleb's got a couple different things to check out um we're going to have a link in the bio to actually check out uh different things but caleb's the host of the better wealth podcast he's also i mean he speaks all over the place in terms of finance he's they really re- he's regarded as one of the youngest faces of authority in finance I, I think you guys are really going to be blown away by not only his knowledge and everything that he brings but also his intention you know, this guy cares so much uh, about the people around him and um, about his companies, I think it shows in his success. And I said it on the podcast, like his success is no accident. Uh, so I'm thrilled, let me turn it over to Caleb in this interview that we had, stick with us. There's two, there's two problems, if you want to say, with the podcast here. Uh, the first is that this is one of the first interviews I did with my new microphone, and I was kind of learning how to use it. So there's a couple points where the audio just kind of comes in a little bit or goes out a little bit too well there's really never a point where you can't understand what we're talking about. So just bear with me on that. Um, and then the second thing is I think I must have like, I don't know, had a bunch of caffeine pills and chugged a bunch of coffees before this podcast because um, damn, I was excited. I was going off on a new one almost to the point where uh, there's a couple of points where I'm just appreciative that Caleb's uh, humble and, and patient and let me finish some points because I was getting way off the rails at some points in this, in this interview. Probably not too bad, but You can tell it's almost like I did way too much caffeine. So those are two notes. I just wanted to pass those along. Otherwise, this is an awesome interview. Thanks again to Caleb and his team for helping me, uh, helping us set this up. Um, Without further ado, let's cue the intro. Caleb Williams of Better Wealth. This is the Get After It Podcast, where young professionals, entrepreneurs, and action takers learn what it takes to be a high performer. This is more than a podcast. It's a movement. Now, let's get after it with your host, Aaron Griffin. One of the things I really want to... We'll probably go a little wide ranging on this. One of the things I want to encourage all the listeners immediately is to check out your YouTube check out your podcast. We're not going to be able to cover all the ground of what you preach on from a financial perspective. And we're not even going to try. That's not, that's not the intention of this interview. I think our intention of this interview is to introduce people. We've I mentioned to you like 70% of our audience under the age of 27. This is awesome. going to be, I think a, a really cool opportunity for people to be introduced to somebody who is frankly can change your life for the next 10, 20, 30, 50 years, can really change the past, or the pace of your generations. Because the way that you manage your wealth, the way that you're going to be able to view the world, Caleb is really, it's just so good to have you on. We're going to have such a great conversation, man. There's no, your success has not been coincidental. You're really serving a need, man. So, Caleb Williams, welcome to the Get After Podcast, man. So thrilled that you volunteered some time to be with us.
1: Bro, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here. And as you're reading the intro, I'm like, man, I want to meet this guy. Like he's. So I, I hope to deliver a fraction of what you've hyped me up uh, for, but I, dude, I'm, like, I'm excited for this conversation. You've always been one of my favorite people to talk to. Um, we, we've had the pleasure of, of breaking bread and having you as a guest. Um, you've showed me a couple places around the, around the country and I'm, I'm looking forward to being your guest in, in Nashville. And I'm just really pumped about the art that you come to serve. Um, your audience knows this because they're here for a reason. But you, your heart is genuine, man. And you are the same person that they hear on the podcast versus that, you know, 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, you're that same person. And so I'm, I'm a better person because you're in my life. And I'm, I'm excited to challenge and have a really great conversation.
0: Dude, I appreciate you. And, you know, you, we, we, got, we got connected right after. And this podcast knows I spent a couple months vagabonding through Europe. And I got I landed in San Diego. Maybe like first week of March, I want to say, and then I think it was the second week of March we get connected, and then third week of March I'm in Denver at your house, and the world is falling apart, right? We were watching COVID, just we were watching the world burn in front of us. And um, d- dude, I really appreciate those words, but also like, can we 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 got to start this by saying freaking congratulations! You ran from the honeymoon to your laptop to do the get after a podcast, dude. Congratulations, man! You and April <laughs> tying the knot. Two weeks ago, right? Not even two
1: weeks ago. Yeah, ten days. Um, so congr- the, congratulations! The, this podcast congratulations. has such a poll that uh, I left the honeymoon early. To, no, just kidding. But it was it's good to be back. And I will I will say, remember when you came to Denver and we were like chatting and you were talking to that guy in like the pizza shop and you're like, I think he, didn't he say something like, I think COVID's gonna last till the fall? And we were both like, No, like the world's not gonna like no. And now it's laughable because like it's totally changed the you know whole what he world. Told me?
0: He said 18 months. He said 18 wow. months. That was the line. And I was like, no, 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 no. And actually we were all saying no. You know why we were saying no? Because it was an inconvenience for us. We weren't thinking about any logical state. It was like, no, 18, 18, months. No, that's totally inconvenient. Hey dude. Um, man, this is going to be very, this is gonna be a fun pod. Uh, can you give us that rundown? dude? we just did a little bit of an introduction there? For this audience yeah. I feel like remiss like we could go in a lot of different directions but just for the sake of the audience to catch them up uh, can you explain how a 19 year old I've heard this story but can you explain yeah. to our audience how a 19 year old takes over the investment wing of a bank and and kind of yeah. where this all kind of comes from and maybe take it up to kind of what you guys do now because you guys are really a re- remarkable company in what you do and and obviously from a value standpoint I totally agree with it but but also like you guys are killing it. So, can you kind of take us in, take us, take the audience in a little bit on that back end?
1: So, I grew up in central Wisconsin. Oldest of six kids. Um, I am, uh, you, my my siblings would say I was a third parent. Okay. Um, super short. Have a struggle reading. At twelve years old, uh, we would not be friends because I didn't really talk and I was really shy. And you probably were talking to everybody. And I looked like I was, you know, five, six years old. Like I, I really. It, 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 I didn't really hit, hit my growth spurt till like three or four years ago. And I'm not tall, by the way, <laughs> but you know. Um, and so I, I was a really insecure kid and, and I had really good parents and being homeschooled is like a blessing in, in disguise because I, on one hand, like I didn't have anything to compare to. Um, and my mom especially like pushed me and really encouraged me to say, Caleb, the things that you can't control, don't worry about. Like your height, you have nothing, you can't do anything about that. But the things you can control, like most things in our life, like she pushed me. And so um, I found myself, you know, really leaning into that. And, and I, I did a lot of entrepreneurial things. But one of my first jobs was actually gutting chickens. So I, I, I'm sorry if there's any vegans listening to this, but I, I literally was, you know, hand deep into chickens summers in Wisconsin when I started when I was 15 years old. And I made like, a like, dollar like, for like, chicken with like, Was this like a
0: massive, like Tyson chicken packaging no. plant? Or was this like a, a local small, Wisconsin? It a small, amazing. It was a
1: small operation. Um, and it, you know what's funny is um, break, book, break Bush Chicken, is that ring a bell at all? It, it's a pretty big chicken plant. They're actually, uh, we're, we have ties with that company and we were able to help some of the family. Uh, so it's just funny because it's like, world's really small. Um, but no, this was a small, this was a small operation. And, um, and so I just started learning the principle of working hard. I mean, dude, I'm 15 years old. I'm making 15, $16 an hour hustling. Um, and, and then I started realizing the value of our money. I started mm-hmm. like read this, a book called um, The Richest Man in Babylon, which is mm-hmm. a great book that everyone should read. But then I also looked around and all my friends who are older than me that were making more money, they, they were wasting it all. And so there was like mm. a, there was like that moment when I was like 15 years old, like, I, I don't understand why everyone's broke. Cause I'm like making a little bit more than minimum wage. I, I really good money for 15, but I'm like, dude, I'm loaded. <laughs> I got like 10 mm. K in the bank. And like, like all my friends are like, like don't have any money cause they spend it on dumb stuff. And so that just like that, sp- like created a fire for me. But again, I'm, I'm 15, 16 years old. I'm hustling. I understand the money side. But dude, I didn't think I was going to get through college because I just didn't think I was that smart. So fast forward, met, wow. met a guy who wanted to help me, just gave me some good advice. And he said, You should go for business because it's the most general thing. Um, he said, uh, He picked up his phone and said, You need more experience. And he got me a job at a community first bank. He was on, on he was the board, not board of directors, he was on their board. And so that, that like to- taught me the power of people, relationships. And I, I started at the age of 17 working at a bank. And dude, that that was the thing. Like that was the platform that changed the game for me because I was put into an environment of people that I had to dress up. I had to like be professional. I had to know how to spell. I, I saw everything. I saw your secret bank account that you're hiding from your wife. I saw how much money you made. I know your social security, all the taboo things. Like, dude, I know, I knew everybody what they made. Like that, that never was weird to me. Like I'm even asking you questions that I go like, man, that's pretty personal. Like you don't ask those questions. I i don't care. Like it's just one of those things I grew up with and it's just not weird for me. And so those, and I've never shared this on a podcast before actually, but the way that I process, I'm always asking how much things are. Like I've always been like that as a young kid. Like how much is that? How much does that cost? How much? Cause it's just, it really like, there's some like peace of mind that comes over me when I get to, when I get to have those conversations. And so all in all, um, like that's, that's kind of what, what brought us to, you know, working at the bank, I'm working my butt off. I'm working in multiple departments. It's very clear to me that money falls value. I was making $8 an hour. So yes, I made more money gutting chickens than working at a bank. I didn't care because I saw that as an institution solely to become as most valuable person I could be. And so I ended up going to the university and going for business and finance, living at home, working at the bank. And to fast forward this for your audience, when I was 19 years old, the guy that was running our retirement investment department took another job and I became one of the youngest people in the country to have that big responsibility. Took the corner office. Dude, I'm living at home. I'm like a freshman in college, corner office, have my own bank cell phone. It was ridiculous. And I learned, um, I learned a lot, and probably more about psychology than anything else. And I learned about how to listen to people. I learned, like, I was challenged on trying to figure out the best ways to help. And then also Mm. being so young, people would pour into me, I had some of the best minds pour into me about how money works. And so Mm. I had a lot of uh, preconceived notions about like, this is Like if you had asked me at 17, I would have been like, I want to be a hedge fund, put all your money in, you know, stocks and let it grow. And it's like that, that, that works, I guess. But it's like, I was definitely my, my philosophy and how money works and the end games was challenged. And um, we're not going to get into that a ton in this interview, but I just like, I learned, I became an expert and I knew that I was, I was young. So I had to even know more. And, and so I worked there and um, wanted to, you know, build the whole investment department uh, make a long story short, banks have different regulations. There got to a point where I was, I had to make a decision. Like I'm 21 years old. I graduated college a year early, which is a whole nother conversation. And I'm looking up on my mission statement and it says to help people see and reach their, their highest potential. And I'm 21 years old, living at home, comfortable. No mm-hmm. one ever would say, Caleb, you're slacking. You're, I'm 21 years old running a bank's investment department, but I knew in my heart that I wasn't doing as much as I could. Like, I knew that. I knew there's this thing called Google that could be an amazing um, bridge for people to learn information and to meet. And this doesn't sound innovative now, but like five years ago, we were like, oh, we're going to meet with people online. You realize the people that thought I was crazy, They're like, Caleb, you look like you're 15 years old. You have no experience. You don't wear a suit and tie you have no gray hair. No one's going to trust you online. You have nothing to say. And they said it in a loving way. It wasn't like a, I was never like, you're going to be a failure. It's just like, don't like, don't be, do, do this. And thank goodness I was a little bit ignorant, um, because started Better Wealth when I was 21 with, um, an incredible core team. You got to meet right hand Dan. We had another person that actually passed away. His name was Greg. And we, we, we started Better Wealth. It was actually Better Wealth Solutions at the time, with the sole belief that we were going to be the company that taught people a better way and helped mm-hmm. people be more efficient. And some of those same principles are true to this day. But now we're we're Better Wealth. We we bought Betterwealth.com a few years ago, and we we really want we our mission is to be a better alternative to financial planning because I think most financial planning is a joke, and people are not making decisions around efficiency. They're not making decisions around what they really want. They're not valuing themselves as their greatest asset. They're not really leaning into the things that are actually going to move the needle in their life. They're just, they're literally just product pushing Um, and that's financial planning. And so we want to be different and we're doing a lot of things um, to help challenge people with that. The last thing I'll say is I wrote a book actually about life insurance, ironically. It was in 2018. It was called the and asset, and it was this idea. It was this concept of like, all right, if you could, um, like, life insurance is a horrible investment, right? But when set up and utilized properly, meaning like when you overfund, when you put as much money in and get the least amount of insurance, it it actually doesn't work as an investment. It, it's like a it's like a alternative foundational asset that you can put money in that has a long term, you know, benefits but also can be used in the short term to go acquire other things like real estate or business. And so I'd like this epiphany that, Oh, everyone in college and they're, they're saying you need to either compound your money and give it up or don't compound your money, have control, which there's benefits to that, but give up long-term compounding. And I was like, Oh, life insurance when set up and you don't have to choose anymore. Like you don't have to choose between one or the other. Mm -hmm. You can have both. It's not an investment and it's an investment enhancer. Um, and I just think I understood that, whereas a lot of people are just confusing people because they're trying to bad mouth one thing because they wanted to sell one thing and other people want to sell this other. So it just became a fighting match. And I think the epiphany for me is like, oh, this doesn't it's not an either or it's an and. And so I wrote the book called The And Asset, which at the time I just wanted to s- speed up the sales process. And that that one book has I mean, we this is an and asset for Canadian copyright here and so like it's hard man to know like we're over twelve thousand copies in the world which is not huge but we've never had a we've never had a book campaign like it's just yep. been one of those yep. messages that have resonated and it's really given me opportunities and i'm humbled to be here and um so yeah man i know that was an intense long intro but i wanted to give your audience a little bit of context of who i am now we have 15 people on our team internal and we have clients in all 50 states so it's uh we're in the trenches and we're we're, uh, I'm I'm humbled to be here.
0: I remember the one, that was one of the first things you 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 mentioned when you were. If you remember, we had that dinner and you you essentially broke down what you guys do to me, which I'm sure you've done to so many. And I heard a lot of this and <clears throat> that line. You are your own greatest asset. Is something that just it's so when you, when you said it, it's like. Man, it's so true. Because we, we, we have this backwards perception of a lot in the sense that when we look at uh, investing in ourselves, it's a question of how many people actually invest themselves after 22, once they're out of college. Um, and what is that hiatus period? Typically, they're probably focused on getting out of debt for the first 10 years. But then all of a sudden, now they're Married and have kids, and now they've got a mortgage. Now they all of a sudden it's this debt spiral that they get pushed into immediately, and there's never time or energy, let alone capital, to actually put it back into yourself. And I just thought about this, dude. You, 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 you guys are mentioned. Like, this is why I'm so I'm so high on what you guys do because, like, what COVID did, ironically, since we've gotten connected, is to me at least, it's shown, it's shown and opened up the world to, and really people, individuals to this whole trust factor of the the go-to seems less and less like institutions and institutional right. ideas like the yeah. way things have always been done i think there's this a, a healthy skepticism around well why is it that a couple of, like why, why is it that there's these massive financial planning companies like, why, yeah. why is that? Like, what are, what are their intentions? Like, what are their purposes? Where's the, why is it that they're employing people like where it's actually, it, there's so many things and that's a rabbit hole to get to into itself. But what I think is interesting is that it positions someone like yourself where I don't have to, there's no sales pitch to be able to work with you. Yeah. That book is filled with, you mentioned you sold 12,000 copies of the book. It's 12,000 people that are genuinely trying to figure things out and they're looking for solutions that you've put right. together in a really concise way. And now they can go and study it. These, this hasn't been—you haven't been able to do this 20 years ago. You didn't, yeah. you, you didn't have the mediums to be able to, t- to penetrate right. what Northwest Mutual would have or whatever. Yeah. I, you know, I think of those examples. Oh, dude, the conflicts.
1: tides are turning for sure, and I think more and more people, number one, want to become themselves and we can in the world that mm-hmm. we live in, and and number two, they go like, why would I work with you? Like, what do you, what do you? It's like it's funny name brand has become less and less of a big deal. Uh, The, a lot people that really loved me, they're like, Caleb, you should really join up with one of these companies when you first start, because they have the credibility. Dude, you couldn't pay me money right now to join those companies. You couldn't, they, they have a stigma that comes along with them. And I love being independent and I love having the flexibility. um, But it comes with downfall because we had to spend a lot of time and money building up a brand. And so it's All like right. what comes first right. it's if so get me started on that but uh, I appreciate you <laughs> mentioning those things.
0: No dude um so so obviously and just to just to do our due diligence on this the first thing the and asset and and we we talked about this where you use uh, Dan as an example right Dan who's your 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 head of ops um who, who Dan and I probably spent like I think four hours talking about uh, Bitcoin and banks and whatever the heck we talked about for like for like that whole night that I was at your house. Um, th- but 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 it started with or one of the one of the ways you you guys started your story was about Dan was trying to buy a house. Can you actually walk through? I wasn't gonna do this and we could talk about a lot of things on this dude, Caleb, but can you actually break down what the end asset is? Because I feel like that is your name brand. Like that is obviously the big thing yeah. that you guys do, but there's so much more. And obviously the last time we connected, I, I heard a little bit about where you guys are going with better wealth. Let's, yeah. But let's start with the end, end asset because that was really a eureka moment, right? Where And I think about yeah. this quote, I, I wrote this down, dude, before you go on this, like our greatest threat in this life, it, it's, it's not aiming too high and coming up short. It's actually aiming too low and succeeding. Right. And I think of you in that that bank in Wisconsin, you've got everything, you got all the wind behind your back. It's like, why take a risk? And you yeah. think about it too. It's like, how many people view success as simply monetary, simply yeah. you know, trajectory-wise, when the reality is there's so many foundations that you yeah. have to build yourself around? Some things we talked about before getting on here about how you know Nashville's so great for community and it's just alluring you from Denver yeah. right now that you want to come here and all those things. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah. but like there's so many different things that f- fall into it. But we get really comfortable and it's one of the biggest threats to what we can do. So can you take us back to that and asset, what that exactly does? And I
1: I want want to, I want to share this with your audience, betterwealth.com slash vault betterwealth.com slash vault is literally the one-stop shop for everything that we're going to be talking about when it comes to the and asset. Like we've put, we have case studies, we're working on over a hundred frequently asked questions. We have multiple courses testimonials, um, cool crash courses. So I just want, I want to throw that out there because there's no way in the world we'll be able to cover everything, but I'm going to do my very best to give you an overview of why the end asset and why the messages resonated for so many people. Okay. So, um, you have person a and person a has money and they're, they're living their life, but they have savings and they person a wants to invest that money for Someday in the future, retirement. You, we could just say retirement is the future cash flow day where you're maybe not getting cash flow from active working. You're getting it from your investments. Is that fair? And so, your person A is investing in a four hundred one k Roth IRA, doing their thing, and they're going through life, and their money is in those investments, doing its thing. But that's all. So person A has got got their financial plan, and that's where a majority of people are are living. And, and then if that person A gets married and wants life insurance. They're going to take either for some of their lifestyle or some, some money from their investments and make sure that they have the proper protection. And the whole concept is your money's going to grow to a certain period of time. You'll be able to check out work and then you'll be able to withdraw that money and have a retirement income. That's that's Retirement Planning 101. The AND Asset, what the AND Asset is essentially, like what I discovered, is it's not an investment. It doesn't take the place of invest. It just is like, it, it's a life insurance contract that, when optimized, which is essentially when, when maximized. So, so the, the idea of a life insurance contract is it's a contract between you and an insurance company. And you want to, you want to have a good relationship with that. And you want to work with the parties have to be right. So important thing in this equation is that you're maximizing the contract to enhance cash and minimize the actual drag of insurance. So it's kind of weird, but the reason you do that is life insurance contract is the most taxed, Benefic- benefited, you know, paper asset that you could almost get kind of deal. Other mm-hmm. than like trust and foundations, it's like it's incredible. And so once money's put in, your money long term will grow without taxes, losses, fees for the rest of your entire life. So like that's beneficial. But what's really cool is you can have access to capital by borrowing against your money that's continuing to grow. And now you have effectively created a way where you're getting a dollar to do two jobs rather than one. So the, the example that I'll use is person B saves money into a life insurance plan that's properly structured, that's properly, and their money is going to grow tax-free for the rest of their life, but it's only going to grow at like 3 or 4%. So even at 3 or 4% tax-free wise is like an equivalent to like a 6% growth rate. So nothing, nothing life-changing. But the cool thing is their money is going to continue to grow and they have an ever-increasing ca- access to a pool of capital that they can invest into real estate into business into themselves into education into options into crypto you name it and their money continues to grow how do you do that you do that by something called controlled compounding you're you're collateralizing or you're leveraging your savings creating a dollar doing two things rather than one it it does it's really good when you can have what I call asset-based activities, things that you can that give you a positive rate of return. It's not really that great if you're just investing in vacations or depreciating uh, liabilities. Like it's it's not going to change your life, but but it ruins your life when you can take a dollar to do two productive things rather than one, and then and then you just put it on steroids because life insurance, permanent life insurance, has you know long-term care-like benefits. Right. It has a death right. the benefit. actual benefits it has of the policy. Benefit. Right. there's a, yeah and there's retirement benefits so it's like you now give a dollar six jobs rather than one it becomes a no-brainer and we're not even attacking any investments because you could do this if you're convicted about your k or roth um you could life insurance enhances long term mm. your ability for cash flow so all in all like that's where it all comes in and it's just been it's been one of those things that is like we're not attacking anybody we actually Better Wealth has an investment company that does investments for people. People mm-hmm. always think like, oh, that's crazy. Like, you're, I thought you were anti-investments. Not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm pro-efficiency. And, and no one product will give you a full efficiency. But understanding how to create money in motion, that's the key. Mm. And I just think my willingness to think outside the box has helped me uncover some strategies that have been really powerful.
0: Can you, can you, in just your own words, can you tell me why, why are, I was gonna say Americans could be an American problem, but just simply like, why are people go back to the people from your hometown, but also people who are, uh, you know, 35 making 200,000 a year and spending 200,000, 220,000 a year. Right. Why are fundamentally, why are people bad with money? A
1: couple, couple of reasons. Number one is thinking the way that we think is, is toxic and we're obsessed with consumption and so we're just in we're just um going and we love to consume we love to spend money um we don't really have a vision of what we want the world to look what we want our lives to look like and so majority of people are not being efficient because part of efficiency is you need to know where you're going so if i Mm. wanted to come to tennessee i could walk there And I would get there eventually. I have enough, I have enough money where I could stay at hotels and, you know, eat, but it would be, it would take me a long, long time to get to Tennessee or I could hop on a plane and be there tonight. It's like, but if I don't know where I want to go, I could, I could have an airplane, but I could still be just as lost. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I think number one, a lot of people don't know where they want to go. And then And then it's obvious that you wouldn't walk from Denver to Tennessee, but so many people are doing that in how they're thinking about getting that goal. So it's really, it's a two-step process. Get clear on where you want to go and then audit, audit yourself, what you're good at, the people in your life, the money that you have, and get really, really clear on how can your resources, your time, your ability, you as your greatest asset, how can you optimize that in a way to best get that? And I'm telling you, man, it's sad because it's not complicated. Like people spend a lot of money To learn stuff like this in courses, it's not complicated. People just don't do it, and it's it breaks my heart. And my hope is that we can start encouraging people to really own their one life.
0: Right, right. What's the one of the things I imagine is so the reason why, like, uh, I used the Northwest Mutual example, which I probably shouldn't be name dropping them. eh, whatever it is, you know, just just one of those bigger companies in general. Um, There's probably a. a feeling as a consumer when you're working with them or something it's almost like uh, i think of it we have like a lot of man babies today right like we we we've we pulled out like nobody takes responsibility until like 22 23 nowadays right it's it's crazy right in terms of how much we stretch out before people i mean just from my hometown i mean i remember there's like, oh, geez, I'm going to call my friend group here. But like, you know, like we had a 20 person friend group it was like four of us had, had jobs. And so it's like you, you you have a generation coming up where and this has only gotten worse since COVID with the, with the labor shortage, right, yeah. where nobody's getting nobody's getting practical experience. Nobody's getting moving in that market. So my, my point is, there's this point of like you're almost adulting by the time you actually yeah. take responsibility for your financial situation. what What is that point in someone's life that they do? Uh, I'm asking from your perspective and helping people, when when do you usually find people are finally like motivated might be the term to actually start taking this seriously and be like, you know what? I can't keep spending every paycheck. Like I got to get help with this. Is it because somebody tells them to, is it because they experience some kind of life event? Is it different for everyone? What do you see on that end?
1: It would be really interesting. I think market data, that would be something that would be worth researching. I've found on my micro scale, so I haven't done any research on this. I just found on my micro scale that, people if people don't um if they if they don't have something greater than themselves it's like it's it's a lot of times is not urgent and then the people that you know have a family have their first kid get married right. have a, their parents get unhealthy um and they are sick usually it takes an event to wake someone up but dude we have a retirement disaster you majority of people that you think have their act together and their money situation together don't we 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 literally have a disaster on our hands. Since the pensions, um, most people don't have pensions anymore. People are just severely under saving and investing, and it's going to create it's going to create a huge strain on on our country, and that's where we've had a lot of conversations. It's like the government will need to bail people out, or we're gonna have a lot of people on the street, and it's just a frustrating scenario to be in because. That usually means higher taxes and and almost almost hurting people that were spending say uh, deferring their lifestyle today so that they could live yeah. better in the future. So I I um, find it so
0: yeah. I find it so fascinating too with income taxes right because income taxes go up considerably for people making high income when ironically income that specific wealth, bra- like that specific brand of wealth income is literally directly tied to the value that you're bringing in. So you're actually taxing yeah. people. You're taking money away from people who I'm preaching to the choir, here, Gil, but you're taking money away from people who are actually driving the most value in the marketplace where it is so much more valuable for the marketplace if those people can actually take that money, invest it, be better with it. I think it's Charlie Munger that talked about like you have uh, Warren Buffett's right hand, man, where you have a um, it's actually one of the greatest times from a capital allocation standpoint, because even though you have a lot of big fish that have way too much, like just an absurd amount of revenue, and there's a lot of reasons, what not revenue, uh, net worths, right? From uh, from a a high net worth standpoint, that money though is in the markets. It's not sitting in a vault somewhere in a medieval country or whatever the case would be. It's tied up in stock options. It's tied up in investments. It's tied up, it's actually working for society. The bigger challenge is- and this is really where, and this is where I do want to plug the Better World podcast. I remember getting back from, uh, getting back to San Diego after the weekend with you guys. I think maybe a week later, and I listened to one of the first episodes of your podcast, and it was you and Dan right after the first, I think the first stimulus bill came out, and you two were so raw and blunt, and you were just like, <laughs> "This is nuts," and you were talking, you guys were talking about, and which it was right, the PPP loans. Like there were so many crazy things that started coming, and really arguments just went out the door in terms of fiscal conservatism or really whatever the yeah. case you would call it. from a government standpoint. That all went out the door with COVID. For you though, what do you see as the, what's been the biggest shift for you guys in your business? And, and, and this is actually a question I wanted to get to, dude. What is the, what are the differences and challenges between building wealth and building a business? Because building wealth to me seems like it's much more, um, what is it, discipline-based where a business is a lot of adaptation. It's a lot of changing as and in, in, in dynamic uh, things shift. I'm curious. for your Do you, you want me to gotta... answer that
1: question or the other question that you asked? Oh, what? Let's so go, but, I'll just answer go, the first one. So go on to the first one. we yeah. are doing a lot of coaching around cash flow because mm-hmm. cash flow is the metric that matters. Like that's the only metric that matters in quote unquote financial planning. And most people aren't having the proper conversation about the metric that matters. So cash flow is king. Make sure you know how to model that and make sure that you're working with someone that can help you the other thing that we're focusing a lot on is tax planning and strategy mm-hmm. majority of people don't understand how the tax code work their entities are not set up properly they're paying they're they're literally overpaying to an entity that's not stewarding our wealth well and so we find a lot of pride on helping people pay less in taxes legally um, so those are the two things that we've really dialed in and then obviously we're, we're also known as like the and asset company and other things. Right. So that's, that hasn't really changed. Right. So that's, that's, what's going on where, and we're also, um, coding some, some software that I think is going to provide a ton of value for our future clients based around yeah. modeling yeah. flow. And um, when that's finally as, as done, as it, you're like, going
0: to come, you're going to come back on the get after a podcast and share that with everybody, yes, because that's going to yeah, be I awesome. Love that. I can't wait for that to come out. Yeah.
1: Go on. The, the, uh, the thing that I think we can really, um, to answer your other question about wealth and business is I want to share the concept that I've like, I've been like really present to, and this is something I'm actually going to write more and more about called value leveraging. And I believe that all wealth is created based on this concept because money, so value is something that like, it's beneficial to someone, right? This Apple iPhone was valuable to me. And so I transferred money, which is an, a future IOUs for the value that I'm getting for the cell phone. And you could literally everything in your house right now, anything in your car, like you you got it because they created some type of value creation. So money falls value and the ability to leverage it is where wealth is created. That's why Amazon is, Jeff Bezos is like the wealthiest person in the world is like, I've had multiple Amazon packages today. He's, he's allowed convenience, frictionless, um, things getting on your door to and he's leveraged that with technology and and trucks mm-hmm. and all that all those things and so uh, when it comes to wealth if you're an investor you need you need to provide value well what value do you have if you're just a typical investor the value that you have is capital capital is one of many value creations that you can bring to the to the table but as an investor majority of people are just bringing capital to the table and then obviously you got to uh, to a deal that's really the only thing that you have to bring. I mean, you could be strategic, but now we're talking more as a business entrepreneur, you bring capital, and that capital is transferred to somebody, and they got to do something to create value, and then you get paid back. And so there's, there's, that's awesome. And there's got to be discipline in a long term mindset. Um, Business or entrepreneurship, or like people that are really investors that are like more entrepreneur investors, they're, they, they literally have capital, but they also have relationship capital, they also have, they, they need to have the it factor to create that value in that value. And I think the upside is greater, but then the downside is also greater because the variable is you. And so business, business when done properly, it creates the most value, like period. It's just, oh, well, there's more risk associated to it depending on what type of business you get into. And so I think value leveraging is like that step one step, two step process. Number one, in what you're investing in or what you're doing in business, is it providing value to the marketplace? Yes. Awesome. Okay. The real money is going to be is like how then you take that value from doing one-on-one coaching to one-to-many. That's an example of value leveraging. You're, you're mm-hmm. creating that value, but it's not just a one-to-one. You're leverage because you're going to one. You're, you're still showing up for that hour, but 10 people are listening. That's why I'm a big fan of podcasts. We could have this conversation. Dude, I would talk to you without recording. I love you. Like, I love talking to you, man. And the cool thing is more than one person will listen to this. And that's, that's, that's value leveraging.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where do you see, um, what do you see your activities, the things that you're pouring time into today? Like you, Caleb, as as CEO of this company, directing where you're at, but also as a man who's now newly med, newly wed, newly married, (laughs) um, yeah. Dude, what are the things that you're, what are the things you're putting time into today? That's going to be most valuable from a leverage standpoint, like 25 years out. Like yeah. The big things. It's, over the long it's, term.
1: it's, it's vision, making sure that our products are the best and relationships. And then when the, when the product, when we feel like our services and products are fully dialed in, I'm going to put on their marketing hat. Um, but those are the things that I do. So it's it's relationships are one of those things like dig your well way before you need water. Yeah. Um, this is yeah. this is something that I'm decent at. Like I I love people and I and I try to be intentional. And you're you're very good at this as well. Um, getting really dialed in with the service that you have, you're convicted on. Like I would put us up against anybody right now. I want I don't want, want there to even be a competition a year from now. Like mm-hmm. we're we're doing some things. Like we're, we're looking within and saying, how do we, how do we actually have the conviction that we are the one-stop shop for every financial decision that in your life, we're not quite there, man, out of total transparency, like we're good. We're not the best and when mm-hmm. we need to become the best. And so that's where my mindset's going. And then marketing is so fun for me because it's like, okay, if you have the thing that will change people's lives, we have a moral obligation to get that out. Right. We have a moral obligation to get that out. And so the, the strategist that can say, okay, what, how do you share this message that lands, that, that converts, that serves people? And I, I hate, hate the marketers out there that are just tactic selling. They're just slimy. But if you have something, like if I had $100 and, I could, and and you had to give me $10 for the 100 that's not hard to sell. And I suck as a human being if I can't make that transaction happen. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, can't communicate, and 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 so we're trying to first of all make sure that we can create that hundred dollars for ten dollars, and then and then the marketing side is gonna then, then that's where all my attention is gonna be um once that's dialed in.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you? Wh- what's the biggest thing from with COVID? I kind of talked about this a little bit where we talk about the the people are kind of looking less at institutions and looking more so almost some people around them. Right. And it's also, also like a thing where maybe it's also, it's a blending of people around them becoming anywhere as opposed to their local small circle, you know, that classic, what's that classic stat where like 80% of people end up, you know, within 20 miles of where they're born or something, whatever the case is. Right. But that's, but that's getting changed quite, quite frankly, like a lot, especially with at least from a, uh, from a, uh, 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 who you're communicating with on a day-to-day basis, it it, it has nothing to do almost anymore. This is obviously dependent on industries and dependent on where people are at in their lives and what they do, Um, but there's a lot, there's a growing segment of the population that's exploding, it's gonna keep growing until it's more than the majority probably already where some of the strongest relationships we have are not geographic, ge- geographic at all, right? We're working remotely. We're all around. We have internet-based things. So the the connections, it's much more comfortable doing business with people who are all over the place. They're all over the internet. How is that changing finance as you see it over the long-term?
1: Yeah, really I think, financial I think, planning specifically. Yeah, I think the Robin Hoods of the world have done a lot of good. Um, I think the criticism is like, okay, you're giving people the tools to tactically figure something out, but there's no strategy, which I think is fair. But I think the power is given back to the people, and you can find out anything you want to know about any investment. It's like we live in that type of world, so I think um, the power is very much translated to the people, and that's not just a COVID thing. But I think that's enhanced because nobody's met in person. Like a uh, year year ago, no one's meeting in person when it comes to your financial plan, and so you almost have to. Your advisor is needs to be able to innovate, which a lot of them didn't, or you you find a better way. Um, I I think it's, I think it's interesting. My prediction is that people are going to go back to work in five years because I don't think the work from home, I think there's, it's a double-edged sword. Um, So it's interesting because in a world like we're a virtual company, we have client, we have team members all in all different time zones. And I'm like, if you ask me like what I'm thinking about in two or three years, I would like to have a headquarters with 80% of people showing up to work. Um, it's interesting. Maybe that will change. We've saved a lot of money on office, but I just think like COVID has highlighted the, like that we can do it. And I love the flexibility of working anywhere. But I also think, dude, like, I think loyalty is going to just drop. And I think there the need for connection. And this is funny because we're a virtual company. Like, I don't think you need that connection when you're talking about money. But it, like, I think as a team, if you're in battle with somebody, I think that very much translates. And so we'll see. There's, th- those are some things that I, I'm thinking of um, from, a, from a standpoint of like how people have changed the way that they think. I think Bitcoin has been a big topic. Um, I think the meme stocks have been something that have been interesting. And I think, um, I think people are getting more educated as it relates to even how options work. Like 10 years ago, no one really knew what options were. Now now I feel like p- it's scary actually, how people like don't really know anything about money, but they kind of know how options work. It's kind of mm-hmm. freaky, to be honest, because it's like um, I, you're potentially playing with fire if you're doing it wrong. If you're not, mm-hmm. it's it's a great financial strategy.
0: What do you think about cryptocurrencies in
1: general? I dude I, th- I think it's a, a matter of time until crypto is is a future. Um, I, you look at the Fed dude, like the Fed it, it's a disaster. You know it's a, it's like we're we're manipulating interest rates, we're printing trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars. And people are fed up with that. Um, I think the Bitcoin um, the biggest threat is the regu- like regulation. I think obviously if you're the US government, it's a threat to the dollar. And I think from the US standpoint, the US suffers greatly if the dollar loses you know, like it's not the so what do you think? What do you currency? think is
0: What is government action on that even look like? I don't like? know.
1: I don't, I, if you had yeah, to
0: speculate, what would that even look like?
1: I, I don't make. know. I, I'm the kind of person that believes in the technology and mm-hmm. everything that Bitcoin stands for is I believe in it. I, I don't, don't get caught up in the hype. And I, I, I feel like a year from now, no one's going to be talking about Bitcoin, and it's going to drop kind of deal. But I think long term, the technology's there, I think it's the future. Um, I think the government will have to figure out a way to start tr- like tracking it, but I, I'm i not the right person to ask. And, mm. and maybe a better question to ask me is like, Caleb, do you have any money invested in Bitcoin? And I would say yes. And I think 5% of your portfolio should be in something that if it dropped to zero, it's not really going to change your life. Sure. But it definitely has upside that, you know, could could be something impressive. So don't this is not financial advice. Don't sue me. Don't don't write me nasty letters. But that's some those are some questions that you should be asking yourself right. um, when it comes to investing.
0: It is interesting because I wonder if we're going to look at this just candidly. I do wonder if we're going to look at this 30, 40, 50 years from now and literally just be like, how did we not see this coming? And and what I mean by this is like the the transfer to crypto because to for, to to put in context what you you mentioned with the Fed, just just for the audience. I mean, this is not we don't we don't talk finance too much on the get after a podcast clue, but like just from a general understanding, I have like the global economics. At this point, after World War II, the dollar becomes the world reserve currency. When two businesses want to do work together, so like say ones in India and ones in uh, Malaysia or whatever the case would be, they're going to use U.S. dollars to complete that transaction. So U.S. dollars are a part of. I believe it's almost nine out of 10 international transactions are done Crazy. Uh, with us dollars. Yeah. Right. And that, and it's second to, I think second place is like Euro is the Euro with like 50%. I'm even close. And the yeah. only reason it's North of 50 is because you have, you can use two currencies, multiple currencies in one transaction, right? Cause you're switching between them. But yeah. what we really, the question becomes how soon does another currency yep. challenge that safe yep. and uh, Effective use that the US dollar has provided for the international commerce
1: market. All currency is is confidence. That's all it's like. Do you have confidence in this piece of paper? And it's it's interesting, man. It, 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 America, like every other like empire, um, and it's sad. It's really sad to see. And I do, I, I don't know. I also don't get it. So I, I feel like a lot of people are like, you know, I, I think. I think everything's going to take a little bit more time because here's here's what you got to understand is yeah let's say Bitcoin does that, well we might think that's a good thing and especially if you're investing in Bitcoin you have like the recency bias to be like yeah you want the Bitcoin to be the reserve everybody's one
0: like everybody in crypto's one over the last few years so yeah you have to but take like that with a you
1: realize slope, that sure. like destroys America <laughs> mm-hmm. like if that becomes the mm-hmm. new currency it's like, I, like a lot of businesses unfortunately are built around tax benefits. it's just like it it will be interesting but i'm not like i'm not here standing and saying just ban bitcoin no i'm i love innovation and where where the us could be total like I, I think really countries have to figure out how you take the us dollar and create some type of blockchain i i'm now speaking i'm just full of bs right now because i yeah. don't know really but i just think that is the future and um i don't i hate that our dollars can get less and less valuable every year
0: yeah yeah um I want to go back here to um you're you're just to get out of a little bit of the finance world um dude you mentioned it you're 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 a connector by nature like in terms of just like that that's one of your maybe i don't know if it's by nature but like it's one of the, one of your strengths as you presented right i um i'm curious what do you see people who are whatever we would brand as successful they're doing a lot of things they're making things happen they're moving moving with things. What are some of the ways where if someone's listening to this right now and they feel like they're stuck, they're in a transitionary standpoint, they're young, they're probably terrible with their money, or maybe they've been decent with their money. They just don't even know what to do with it, right? Where do you start in terms of investing yourself? What do you see as trends behind some of the people that you've been most influenced by and have built up great relationships with who have have found some success on that? And where do people get started? What do you see as trends? Have you
1: read Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're I like, think,
1: yeah. yeah, I, I think it's a good start, one, one of the things that I very much admire about people that that really, really get it is they know what they want and they have a, some definiteness and they're not drifters. And, and Aaron, if I look at the world, it's really not hard to break through because it, it, a lot of people are drifting. Now, here's what I'm going to say. I know some people that really want it. The problem is they're not sticking with any one thing, so like the the book combo mm. that I want people is like number one: read Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill, and like just understand like there are things that are literally like your condition and it's your fault that are gonna bring you down. It's the way that you think, and it, and there's other books for mindset. So I'm not saying that's the the one book, but I just like it. Maybe it's recency bias. Like I I really enjoyed that, but then but then okay, you might get that, but this, I've seen so many people that have like, have the right mindset, they're just trying to do 10 things and they're, they're, just, they're just like the average person because they're not able to get momentum on any one thing. So it's like, number one, be definite, get clear, understand that you are your greatest asset, but you're also your greatest enemy. It's all in the mind. And then transition to like, what is the one thing such by doing that will change everything? And a lot of people don't have the discipline, especially early on, stick to one thing. And I'm not saying like you have to do that, like don't do any side hustles. No, have one thing that you're working on and and go for it. And you might do three or four things within that, mm-hmm. but there is, there's something to say about folk thing. And that's the people that are great. The people that I admire master thyself and, and have definiteness in how they live their life.
0: mm Hmm. mm. mm. What were some of the challenging moments, maybe uh, if, if you're comfortable reflecting on those with building your business to where you're at today, what were some of the bigger challenging moments that actually provided the lessons to actually get you where you're at today?
1: Yeah, I think I think early on, it was the, would anyone work with us? It was like a very much mm. inward fear of like, dude, I'm young. Who Who's going to want to work with us here? Um, and then I just think the... Um, as we grow, it's that it's, it comes from like the Caleb effect to we need to like actually create something that scales. And like, I have to, I'm like the greatest enemy right now because mm-hmm. it was like built on the back of like Caleb's smile. And like, you can't scale business and actually have a business, um, not not a, just a, a self employed person. So I, I think that transition has taught us a lot. Um, we, we spend and invest a lot of money in salaries and technology. And so if it two or three years ago, you would have said, you know, we spend this amount of money. I would have been like, you're like, that's crazy. That's crazy. And, and it's just like, it's not something that happened overnight, but I think it's that, that like belief in like actually investing in people. A lot of people say that people like they should invest in people, but they don't. And like doing that has made me think bigger. And then I just think, um, just learning how to do value leveraging stuff. Like value leveraging has been something that has been on my mind the last couple months. I've been thinking about it for like two years. Haven't really put a name on it, but it's not something that I was born with. Like I realized that wealthy people, people that I really admire, really figure out how to do the most valuable thing in their life personally or, or, or business and then be able to maximize that. And the person that's able to do that personally and professionally are, are going to be, people are going to want to be around.
0: Yeah. What, what do you think you were worst at as a leader when you first
1: I, were thrust I'm, into I mean, that? The, the micromanagement-ness of like wanting to tell people how to do their job, which is mm-hmm. one of the worst things you can do as a leader, and, and not being super clear like it was in my head, but not communicating very well. And then the other thing that I'm still working on is keeping people accountable. Like I'm, I'm a easy, easy, easy person to work with because I don't hold your butt to the fire. <laughs> so, and that's, I'm getting better at that being blunt. Um, and people actually like it better because it's, because we're actually getting yeah. stuff done. Yeah. Word. Um, and so it's, it's, and you can be nice in the process of doing that, but those are the things that I've struggled at with. And I'm, I'm, getting better.
0: Yeah. Okay, dude. So you, uh, we got married 10 days ago. Yeah. You, you moved to Denver from Wisconsin. How old were you yep. when you moved to Denver?
1: 2022,
0: 22. So, so what was that transition like for somebody who's running their own business? building community and just trying to actually set roots somewhere where, and I know you you potentially might be, you know, exploring outside of Denver, but I'm just curious for someone who found someone who you want to spend the rest of your life with, you're building out some yeah. really good foundation points. And also like, dude, dude, the people in your business are great people. I mean, you got phenomenal people that work with you and they're they're they, You could tell there's that energy around where it's, it's a very long-term atmosphere. So for you, um what were some of the things that you think that uh that when you when you did that leap and you actually moved and you actually really you know started yep. branching out start building your own life what were the biggest challenges with that what are some tips yeah, and so, tricks for people? Cause dude, this is this, by the way, this is something i see. I see it all the time with COVID is a hundred percent since COVID. Like how many people are waiting for the pandemic to be over? How many people are waiting for whatever that thing, the, the waiting for the pandemic pandemic to be over is directly equivalent to the environment that you're around because other people are yeah. saying you need to wait for the in pandemic to be over. Right. So it's yeah. like, that's where I'm getting so, at with like, how do you build that community? Surround so, yourself with so, successful people.
1: So your environment is so important, so important. And I was in Wisconsin in a great community, loved, had amazing friends, but none of my friends were entrepreneurs. And as a result, I was like working a ton and all my friends were like, Hey, you should stop working and hang out kind of deal. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. so two things. I made this like statement to a business coach. I said, if I had, when I have a million dollars in the bank, I'm going to move. Cause I just thought like that having an arbitrary goal was just like, I just here, here's a dart, chuck it at the wall. And he said, Why? And after trying to explain my lack of process on how I got to there, I I realized, oh, actually, I should move right now to a place. Number one, to sometimes get get. Sometimes you need to get out of an environment. And by the way, dude, like, I'm gonna have a house in Wisconsin. I love my friends, family, great great people, love them. Mm -hmm. Not not the best place to build a seven, eight, nine figure company. And so I had to get out of there. And then and why Denver? It was a couple of reasons. I, I got mentored. I actually dated a different girl uh, here. And so there's some reasons why I, you know, chose Denver, but it's central, it's great weather, you know, had a great church, great airport. Um, and so like we I, I wouldn't be I would not I'm not in a place to write a case study of like how I'm super connected in Denver because I wouldn't say I'm super connected in Denver, but I'm like connected like we have a great team and we're like Mm -hmm. connected in our business. And I just had to be, I had to get in a powerful environment. So that was one. And then also it's like this pandemic's been a, been a thing. Um, and so that's been, that's been one thing. And so I would just encourage people to like really audit this people that they're spending time with. And like, like the, your average of your five to 10 friends, like would their life, would you trade places with them? Would you take their, cash that they have net worth wise or income wise, if the answer is no to all that. Um, you got to, you got you to gotta do something different. Mm, mm.
0: You got, I, uh, I, I've had the chance to meet a few members of your team, not too much, yep. but a few. What do you, when you're interviewing somebody, dude, what are you, what are you looking for? What are the things that really stand out to you personally when you're hiring? across um, the board maybe not even position specific but like across the board what are you looking for
1: yeah yeah passion clarity conviction and then and then i got i get this from traction but do they get it do they want it and can they do it i mean competency is a real thing mm. um but but man i'm telling you we we live in a world where passion is lacking and if you have the right dna and you have the right person um that's that's like half the battle mm-hmm. and um i want to find a person that's willing to to take a pay cut to build something that they believe in not just for what they're going to get on the back end but the real conviction of by doing this society like the world's going to be a better place and so um it just takes that right to the person cuz they they have to think like an owner and they can't just think like an employee and so our team is filled with people that don't think like employees that think like owners and, uh, are, have the right DNA. And then it's just really managing, managing properly. And that's where I think that's where we've struggled. And I think we're constantly getting better every day.
0: Cool. Cool. You mentioned traction, but you're referring to the book by Gina Wickman, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you have a, uh, just to close up here, I just realized time we're at, dude, we, we, we've gone yeah. probably about an hour now. So, all right, let, let, just to, just to put, put a bow on things here and just kind of some fast action stuff. Cause first of all, um, man, there's so much more I could ask you and we could go run down on, I'm serious, man. Let's, let's follow up on this. Maybe a few months from now yeah. we'll, we'll have a chance to reconnect on yeah. it, dude. Um, a couple, couple like lightning round, man, uh, what are some of the most influential books that you've read foundational wise? You mentioned um, Richest Man in Babylon.
1: Yeah, so the Bible, thinking, girl, how to win friends and influence people, seven habits of highly effective people, the mm. one thing. Mm. What's, your,
0: what's the thing that you're most excited and looking forward to in the next six months?
1: That is a great question. I, I'm excited to lean into marriage and learn how to be the best husband I can be. I'm also excited to build the services and products. By the end of six months, we will have one of the best offerings to to offer to the public as it relates to getting control of their money. I'm really, really Mm. excited to see that because talk about value leveraging. We're going to be set up really strong to serve the marketplace. Mm. Mm. Okay. And when are you visiting Nashville, Tennessee? uh within the next three months man and you you uh-huh. will be on not only on the list but you will be a tour guide
0: dude i um appreciate you like crazy man we could go in so many different directions i want to encourage um anyone who listened to this and maybe caleb you can just to touch on this too like i would i would encourage anyone who's got questions about this not only to go check out caleb's on youtube check out better well i mean if you google better well first thing to come reach up. reach out to but,
1: me yeah.
0: I was going to say, reach out to you and also just get on a call with them, right? Because most people are not doing anything in terms of their finances. I'll let you talk I speak to that. How can people get more from you? How can they actually understand a little bit more yeah. of these Yeah, so if you want to learn more
1: about now. the end asset, go to betterwealth.com vault. And literally, it is the one-stop shop for everything. Every question that you can ever ask about life insurance, it's there. Um, our website's betterwealth.com, uh, and you can get on a 15-minute clarity call and we're just really big on like helping people maximize what they want. Um, YouTube, we have a podcast. The whole purpose of that is to continue to uh, raise the raise the bar as it relates to education and challenge people. Um, and then on any type of social media, as you can reach out um, or email me at Caleb at dot And like, yeah, man, we're not going anywhere. Like we're continuing to, to grow. And it's been really fun to just see more and more people get it. And um, I have the best team in the world, (laughs) or I should say I'm on the best team in the world because there's some incredible leaders that I'm, I'm working under. That's how incredible our team is. And so I'm just grateful for that.
0: All right. Last question. Let's leave you with this. And um, you're, you're, you're 18, 19, 20 wicked young looking at this world today. There's so much opportunity out there. I mean, I think you'd agree with this. Like there's so it's such a cool time to be able to build something in this world that we have. Um, what would you do? You got no skills. You're dropped into an environment today. What would be the things that you would you actually love this question. I got to end it. I want to, I want to pick your brain out though. What would you do today if you're starting all over and doing things differently?
1: I would, uh, first of all, I would get it, try to get as clear as I needed to be on what to do. And so, Here's what I'll say about networking. Networking is incredible when you're first getting started because you can meet people, shake hands, kiss babies kind of deal and figure out, okay, what do I like? Like who, I I like what this person's doing. And so why, so you gotta, so it's a race to figure out what you actually want to do, okay? Network as much as you can meet as many people. Once, Once you figure that out, then you gotta figure out what is the best way for me to learn? And one of the best things that you could do is go find someone that you admire and work for free for them. Like that's, if you want to know the ninja tactic, do that or buy their courses, read their book, figure out who they're learning from and learn and just go all in on that. So it's Mm -hmm. like, figure out, figure out, like, I'm not opposed to doing 10 things, trying to figure things out, network. But once you got clarity, like, I know what I want. I'm not going to go to a networking group. Like, I'm just not. Like I'm not opposed to that, but like, I know what I need to do, and so there's just a lot of distractions that I can you know do that can take me away from the highest and best work. Um, but for me to say, like, do that, if you don't know what you want to do, you got to first of all figure out what that is, i.e. value leveraging. First of all, you have to figure out how you can bring the most value to the world.
0: That's good. That is good. Caleb Williams with Better Wealth. Oh man. Love you, brother. Appreciate you coming on. I know this is going to be huge for the audience and uh, appreciate you all for, for, for making our way with us uh, real quick, com slash vault. That's how you're going to get everything. What, what's your Instagram? What's your, uh, what's, what's my all name?
1: Socials? So, so Caleb Williams on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, you can, you Boom. can follow me on those platforms and um, yeah, reach out if you have any other questions. I, um and mention Aaron because, uh, you will already go to the top of my list.
0: Appreciate you. And, and guys, like, again, we have so many, we, we've had some really awesome guests, privileged to have so many people on. Caleb is a person that you want to lean into. I don't care if you work with him or not. Lean into what he's, okay, I do care, right? But I know he doesn't care. He just wants you to lean into care. it. He does yeah. this for, he does this yeah. because he's really on a mission to change some things. So go check out his stuff. Thanks so much, Caleb, for coming on. This is the episode of the Get After Podcast Thrilled. You spent some time with us. We hope that you grew, you learned, and we are rolling. I'll see you back here for another episode. Talk to you all soon. I really want to thank Caleb for being not only an amazing friend, but taking some time and volunteering for, for this audience. And I really encourage all of you. Uh, Caleb dropped the link. We, we plugged it a couple times. It's also in the description of the show notes, uh, betterwealth.com forward slash vault um, to learn more about the and asset and about Better Wealth and his team in general. Um, and when Caleb says that, you know, contact them. Mention you you're from the Get After Podcast that you know Aaron Griffin. Um, he he means that. I know he wants to connect with you. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out. With that being said, y'all, thanks so much for listening uh, to this podcast, investing an hour or over an hour of your time here. Uh, for us, we hope it was beneficial. Again, we never do this for the money. Uh, we do this because, again, for we want to see where this is going to go. I think this is an exciting thing in terms of like, where we're headed, the time we're live. And um, I think podcasting is just a really cool way to capture opinions, beliefs, and visions in terms of where things are going. And we'll be able to see how those play out. So if you get anything from this podcast, please drop a review. Helps us a ton. Helps uh, more listeners find this show. Um, and uh, let us know what you thought of not only this episode and, uh, but others, but also if something impacts you. Uh, hits you hard in this episode whatever the case is share this with a friend share this with somebody who can get impact value from this or even just someone who you constantly discuss things with and have conversations with like to debate some of the things we talked about that's huge Um, and it's how we learn it's how we get better so uh, for Caleb uh, on behalf of Caleb I'm Aaron Griffin thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the get after podcast